We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Wombo Combo Show. We are your hosts, Breaky CPK and BSJ. This podcast is being brought to you by Untuck It and Manscaped. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast. We haven't gone anywhere. Only a couple of weeks we were off, but we are back, and we're ready to talk plenty of Dota 2 as the season officially kicks off, of course, just this later this week even, which obviously we're going to talk plenty about. But before all that, got to do the introduction. I'm Breaky CPK, joined as always by my co-host, BSJ. BSJ, welcome back and everything. Thank you, sir. Can you hear me just fine? I can hear you just fine. Yeah, you're nice. Okay, yeah, I'm uh, currently in New York City, so just okay. uh, about to be home in a few days. Uh, been gone for a while, so uh, you know, life's good. But except for I'm having some old people problems here, my neck's a little in pain for whatever reason. The okay. theory is that I heard it uh, when I was squeezing a lemon. So I'd like to just say it was more like I was manly, but uh, it's not looking promising for me. Were you, ma- were you making lemonade or something? What's the deal? No, we were uh, – what were we making for that specific one? I think it was like potato salad for the lemon. We made <laughs> we made a picnic. So I like – it's one of those where it shouldn't hurt, right? It's not like I'm too no. weak to squeeze a lemon. It's just like I randomly did. I'm like, ow, what? And then I went on roller coasters yesterday at Six Flags. Oh. And – so I think like that made it worse too. So now like today I woke up, I'm like, wow, I'm old. So that, that's been my experience so far uh, recently. All right. Yeah. You keep telling yourself that, that, that you're old yeah. over there, BSJ. Totally. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. The, the, the lemon and the roller coaster combination. It always gets you, man. <laughs> I could have told you that. Uh, it's no, deadly. It, but happen to have you back, obviously. Uh, so not only – so you're currently in New York. Um, you were obviously at ESL just yes. before that. So when you, you're in New York because uh, – well, go ahead and explain. Hey, man, there's nothing to explain. I, I have a girlfriend. It's a momentous okay. occasion. And she lives in uh, in New York. So I on the way back from ESL, I was just like, well, she has a computer. I can stream from here. Let me tell you, I am a god on 20 ping. Nice. 20 ping Dota is so easy. You know, I, I like before that in Arizona, I'm working on like 75 ping. But I saw an opportunity to come visit her for a bit after the event. And that's what okay. we're doing. It's nice because I'm able. I we had our WESG qualifiers See, on. Saturday, that's so why I, I thought you were there for. To be honest, I wasn't aware that there was more no. to it. Okay. No, no, no. So what would have happened was I would have gotten back late Monday in Arizona if I had gone straight from ESL. Okay. To uh, to home, but then I decided I'm like, well, it's basically the price of a one way flight to New York that I'm saving or that I'm costing myself. 
And I knew that I would be also playing from here for the WSG qualifiers. And sure. I actually was like, hey, maybe the 20 ping will actually help a lot. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I was pleasantly surprised. Let me tell you, 20 ping is day and night difference between 75. So let me, I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, uh, here I am back in action. So, okay. <laughs> back in action, ready <laughs> to go. It's been a wild ride. This is the life of a Dota gamer, streamer, <laughs> whatever, man. It, I, if you talk to Kyle, his is even more, oh, you know, all over the oh, place I know. than mine is. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's definitely, he loves the travel life though. He's all for it. And he's uh he's all for visiting every place he can. So, uh, but yeah, on that note, congratulations, by the way, you are officially in the finals for the North American region representing NA's finest as your call with Moo monkeys, Husky and Oceana. So yeah, that's going to be thank fun. You. Appreciate it, sir. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. We have to beat the fighting pandas yeah. to uh, make it to the tournament or make it to the land itself. So you know, we'll see how we do. We'll just have to hope he, uh, you know, we just never have to take his barracks. And then he doesn't hit his final form, and then we can win. <laughs> so that's the plan. Already got the strategy ready. Understandable. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, best of luck there. Of course, that's still a little bit away. So, we'll, we'll, we'll hype that up as it gets closer. Uh, okay. About this show, though, enough about you and your stories here these yeah. last couple of weeks. I'm not There's, that interesting. Let's no, interesting. not at all. Not at all. Uh, the, uh, interesting news that certainly did happen. Well, before, you know, we are going to be talking about the ESL recap, of course, something that you were attending yourself as a caster. Uh, we're going to just preview the summit event coming up but that was originally the plan but then just a couple hours ago i want to say official news came out team secret announcing their changes that we all anticipated uh at least something was going to be happening the rumors floating around that you know mid one specifically was he going to stay was he going to be removed well we have official word he is no longer uh, part of the squad they are parting ways uh mutual decision of sorts i'll actually show it on screen for the people watching but um this announcement coming out earlier today so he's no longer part of the team and also sunby the coach actually no longer part of the team as well so only one player change in mid one but uh Sumbi also uh no longer the coach the new faces that have joined in place Matumba Man, certainly one of the names that was on the list, and it is in the end Matumba Man. He's now joining Team Secret, and then Heen is now going to be coaching the squad for Team Secret on top of that. So, it, obviously a pretty massive change to one of the best teams in the world, no doubt. They were the number one team in the regular season last year. It's a pretty big deal when the, when the best team of sorts makes such a change like this. And it, it's interesting. For I, I see this, and it's like we knew it was coming, the talking was happening, but, man, mid one is such a good player. It is shocking almost in a sense to, on the level of a Sumail and EG in my mind, that no longer seeing him part of the team. Yeah, I think the one thing that makes sense to me about this whole switch is that when uh, uh, Seager played with a carry like Ace, they kind of needed that all-star skilled player, right, in mm -hmm. mid one. And now that they've got Nisha, he kind of fills that gap himself. And I think having more of like a consistent, the you know, kind of plays these cheese heroes type of player, I think fits probably better into their lineup. I think that's maybe their idea behind it. Maybe just mid one didn't want to play anymore. Or maybe they just were done with like, maybe they didn't get along very well, something like that. Uh, I do think the Batum man, like what he offers to a team does fit very well mm -hmm. with the rest of secrets roster. So obviously high expectations in general for secret. Uh, I don't really think they're going to miss a beat with this sub uh, kind of like liquid did last season. Didn't really miss a beat when they replaced just Batum man for, uh, for Weha, I, I think these like top tier teams, these captains like Kuroki and Puppy are very much aware of what it takes to be a top tier Dota team. And they're very aware of the current state of their own team. Like they're very self-aware of like what's there, what's missing, what could be improved, like what do they have too much of, that kind of stuff. And I think I trust Puppy and Kuroki more than anyone to make those types of switches. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, history speaks for itself right there. But uh, more on the note of Matoma Man going to him as the replacement. Okay, so obviously I don't – I'm not going to suggest, you know, this is a, a bad move of any sorts. I actually agree with you that in the sense that he is much more of a um, – so, dare I say a support core to Nisha he can play a lot of different heroes he's obviously played with one of the best out there in Miracle with his liquid run including TI7 victory and everything so he's showing that he can do that but when it comes to the, the name itself and his individual play 
Me, personally, I, I don't have him as uh, uh, the highest of the high-tier core players. And we're talking about Team Secret here is obviously one of the best teams in the world. There's other names that were available out there. Now, of course, who knows what goes on behind the scenes, but such as a Sumail certainly comes to mind. Uh, so that that's where I guess I don't know if I'm 100% sold on this being the absolute best decision for the team. But again, good player, a good fit in the sense of what he brings as a core player. He's not everything. He's not a very needy core player. But I, I just don't know if I'm, a, I'm sold on this being the, the ultimate move, the better move for, for Team Secret here. Yeah, I just think he's the enabler. Nisha is going to be a type of player that's good enough to carry you every single game. You give him the perfect matchup. I think these two players can swap between mid and safe lane very well. So say you have like a safe lane Lycan and you have this like last pick Morphling or something that's going to win you the game and you want to put it on Nisha. I think they have that option. Um, I think a lot of these other mids are kind of just known for being that flashy all-star mid. Uh, I, I mean, I think Matama Man's mechanics are insanely good. Like, I, I think I've, you know, I used to watch his stream a lot. Uh, his micro and such and like positioning on the map is just really good. I agree with you that potentially there are better skilled mid laners, but I also think that that's an underrated portion of Matumba Man's game. So I think uh, he may not be a traditionally flashy player, yeah. uh, but I definitely know his mechanics and his knowledge of the game are like top tier. Uh, and I, I have faith in him. I, I don't think he was like, just because Liquid got second at TI after kicking him, I don't think that proves that he was the problem or whatever. Sure. I think it's a classic scenario where do I think Matumba Man's better than mid one? Like if you compare the two players, no. But I think do I think mid one's better than Matumba? Not even necessarily. Like that's what I'm trying to say is where yeah. it's a, it comes down to the better fit for the team. And when you compare Matumba Man to like the Sumails, these other free agents out there, uh, I, I kind of go with the same mindset that it doesn't necessarily mean that they think he's a better player individually but he he fits the team's dynamic better yeah then there's the other side of it with the coaching situation it, it's one that coaching is a really interesting spot and i know you can appreciate you know even being a player behind the scene yourself but it, it's one of those uh, as a spectator it's hard to appreciate it's hard to understand what they're really doing for a team but you know any good team will tell you you know, like you know Bobo with EG and obviously Sunbe with Secret he with Liquid in the past obviously former friend slash teammate in the sense of Mutoma Man so perhaps has a reason for that move but what, what would you say is the impact with this move with he now coming to the team again Sunbe a great coach too but is he an upgrade do you see that yeah, that's tough, right? Because like you said, I, I know what a coach does, but it's hard to know what each individual coach is like. You know, you don't hear too much from the coaches. Uh, what they offer is very much behind the scenes. You never know what, in terms of game plan, was their idea, what was a player's idea. Uh, I think both of these coaches are very solid. Like, they, their knowledge of Dota is amongst the best. But Heen obviously proving that his like any team he's kind of touched has proven to be that he has a positive impact on their results. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have probably Heen in my top couple coaches in all of Dota. I, I view him very highly. Uh, I I would have to imagine that some being mid one were kind of a package deal when I say that. Like I I think they know each other very well. Okay. Uh, so I have to believe that it, like they were more enticed to go with somebody else as a coach if they had a different option if mid one was leaving uh, i think it's almost a result of the mid one being uh out of the team and sometimes you just need to mix it up the coach has a lot of burden uh you know in football like american football uh the co the, the the quarterback takes like all the blame and all the glory right like when you win it's like on the back of the quarterback when you lose it's usually their fault that's kind of what the coach is in dota like uh within the team dynamic they're kind of like a mediator, sometimes even a counselor, you know, sometimes a therapist. Um, oh, yeah. They, they have to do it all. And I think that even if people get along really well, sometimes over the course of just two years, you just need a fresh set of eyes and need to start from scratch with the coach. So I think that that also will be a factor that came into play when – having somebody get replaced yeah of course puppy you know very very experienced himself but uh, a change of pace certainly doesn't hurt and we'll see what uh what it looks like for secret going forward i guess the one last talking point on this was 
you know, we've already, in a sense, went over if it's right or not in this ultimate decision here. Again, Sumail, where, where the heck is he going to end up? That This is one of the options that it really seemed like that it was a very possible fit, especially with the rumors already going around that mid one was no longer uh, going to be a part of the team moving forward. But not the case. It is Matoma Man, deservingly so. You, you really got to wonder where Sumail is going to end up. At this point, you know, rosters across the board seem pretty set, but that can change as we know. That can certainly change as we know. Uh, and it would be hard to believe that uh, he isn't going to be on a roster as the season continues along. I, I don't see that being a situation, but uh, who, he's, he's a very young player still, and uh, may, maybe that is the plan in the long run. He wants to wait for the right situation. And, of course, both on a contract standpoint and as well as playing as a team, that's certainly possible too. But not to make this about Samail, but in a, in a way it kind of is too. So, yeah, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think I, I'm under the impression Samail has some contract issues with EG. Like there's things that are making it a little more complicated than most people believe. I don't know much about it, so I don't want to like – spread any rumors uh apart from that uh i think sumail how do i word this there's just so many team things that can happen in terms of the teams right like all it takes is one major a couple teams have less success than they want and uh sumail is obviously one of the hottest picks on the market uh so i i think he's just gonna ran it i think there's really no way to tell where he's gonna land until we see the results of these tournaments sure. uh and like you said I, I don't think he's in any rush like uh really all that matters as a professional player is ti so uh, you know, he's got time. Uh, he's obviously still playing a lot. I see him in all types of pubs and stuff. So it's not like he's, you know, just dicking off and taking a break. He's definitely looking to play. He's kind of just in the weights, weeks, I think. And that's going to continue until the right opportunity arises and things get sorted out on the, I think the legal end or whatever you want to call it with contracts and stuff. Yeah. I, I've heard that here and there as well. It would be nice to get more official information, but I guess the more you think about it with the whole team at the beginning of the season with Quincy crew, and then all of a sudden not being a squad, at least him, him leaving it, but then subbing in for them at, uh, at ESL, which that one in itself was a pretty interesting the fact that he even traveled with them. So I guess it is very believable that there is something going on there uh, when, when it comes to contracts and, uh, and behind the scenes. So, uh, but yeah, team secrets, official new roster, Metama man's in mid ones out. Also a coaching change with Heenan and Sunby out is the quick recap right there. Um, again, they're going to be taking place or they're going to be playing, of course, coming up with a second cycle. We, we assume we can safely assume with that official new roster. So we'll get the chance to check them out. But we got a couple of tournaments in between. Um, however, there was one event that did take place once again that you attended. So first, I figured, figured it made sense to do a bit of a quick recap of that. Uh, that being ESL, uh, where TNC ended up winning it in the end. Three games to two over Gambit in the grand finals. Uh, pretty pretty awesome grand finals as i'm sure you could vouch for yourself the fact that it goes five games pretty cool uh tnc if we'll start with that i mean how did they look throughout the event and uh what do you think about them yeah i think they looked really solid like i was watching their entire group stage their upper bracket run yeah they had to take it five games to the in the finals but they just looked so dominant and they weren't they weren't like really good at one strategy they were kind of just doing all kinds of things I think I highlighted with their team was that they had three different cores who took over the game. It didn't matter what specific game it was. It just tied into what the draft enabled, what hero was the strongest in that specific game. KP, uh, Armel, as well as Gabby have all proven that they can be like the one of the team, you know, that in, like that just has the most influence on the outcome of the game. And yet, like when I say that, I mean, there was one game where KP got uh, a 1v1 as Venomancer in the sideline. And he spent the entire like 10 to 20 minute mark just putting so much pressure on the opponent that is morphling free farm and carry the game. <laughs> but like in that case, I view KP as carrying the game like that. That's how I when I say like taking over the game. Yeah, the morphling is their carry just like a standard lineup would have. But the fact that KP start the way it was was the key to their success in that strategy. And they were able to do that with multiple different lineups multiple different players and i think that that's something that is not easily achievable uh as a team especially new so i was sure. quite impressed with their entire run uh in the event 
Yeah, this is a this is a squad that uh, certainly went through some changes going into the season, some bigger ones with uh, Cuckoo specifically in AU, and of course even Heen no longer coaching after coaching a little bit at the beginning of the season, but with KP and March coming in. Uh, certainly one to follow from the Southeast Asia region to see how these changes ultimately come together. They did qualify for the majors, so we know it looking good there, but it's, it's a different pace when obviously you're playing against international competition than within your region uh so this is that first glimpse of that really and uh, and they, they clearly came through the fact that they, they were able to defeat gambit in the end uh, a solid squad themselves now i don't want to take away from this event but i, I do want to go a direction again this being esl it's not an official circuit event it's it, it does seem like that these third-party tournaments are becoming a little less significant in their meaning obviously there's still a prize pool and you know there's still money still good but i don't know if i see this and i'm and i'm sitting back saying you know tnc is a team to be southeast asia they're gonna look at going to the major it's it's hard to just suggest that with this result i mean in fact that frankly gambit they're a solid squad but to see them in the grand finals was a little bit surprising for myself as their opponents and they had to go to five against them so i, I don't know if you if you tend to agree or not but for me an event like esl it's it's great to have but this is kind of more of like a practice for the dpc events at this point i don't take too much from it it's absolutely practice but like i can tell you it's a fascinating perspective to to be an analyst at an event like that. I've had limited amount of experience with that. Uh, you get to you. I'm forced to like analyze and watch these games, right? Like uh, when I say forced, I mean like I have to know what every team's doing so that when I'm on the panel, I can talk about them. Uh, and so usually I'll kind of just pay attention to the better teams and that kind of thing. Uh, and what it took for TNC to be so consistently successful, I don't think is easy to achieve. And like. They kind of just bulldozered over most of these like tier two, tier three teams in a very like convincing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like I saw them always have the upper hand in the drafts. I saw them always feel like they're in control of the game, and none of that stuff's like coincidence, right? So that proved to me that they can like consistently form, they can consistently perform uh, as a unit, and that does tell me a lot. Yes, it is practice. Yes, these teams are not the absolute best teams, uh, but they proved time and time again in these series that they were like a step and a whole echelon above these other, above these other teams. And a lot of these teams are still figuring their stuff out. Right. So the fact that they are, like you said, they have a couple new players, new coach, or they remove their old coach. It's like, there's a lot that goes into that. And the fact that they're able to do everything they're already doing impressed me a lot uh, is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Uh, a lot of it just seems like the teams that didn't do very well kind of just didn't find their stride. Uh, like I think liquid, I think, you know, this kind of segues us into our next part of the notes. You talk about the disappointments. Uh, I think liquid was a big one, uh, for me. I, I think that they, this is something I don't like to say. I don't like to say this, but I'm just going to single out Boxy. I think he's the single issue on that team. Uh, I think that this patch is off laners like Legion, Abaddon, Omni, um, Underlord. We even saw at the tournament. It's these like sustained team fight builders. He plays Slardar, Axe, Centaur, Tiny. Timbersaw, Tiny. He plays heroes that want to get up in your face and gank. And yeah. that's just not what the off lane is right now. Yes, you can pick those heroes sometimes. But it's just not most of the time. And I watched their games, and every game that felt awkward in the landing stage, it was because they were, like, trying to enable Boxy. Like, they were trying to give him a solo safe lane. Or they were trying to give him last pick so that he could have one of these aggressive heroes to take over the game with. And because they were giving him last pick, they exposed the fact that they were tri-laning in the first three picks. Like, they picked Grimstroke. Earth Spirit supports. It's like neither of those supports is a strong standalone uh, lane support. So you almost can predict entirely that they're going to be together in the laning stage. And then they pick Sven. It's like, oh, that's such an obvious tri lane. And it's like, you know what's coming. Their lineup was just so predictable. So for me, I think Liquid has some serious like self-reflection to do to figure out what to do about boxy going into this major and i think on this patch they stand no chance that is my genuine belief that as long as this sustain heavy meta is a thing they suck and then they have to prove otherwise to me that that's not the case uh 
I don't know what you think about well, that. Well, that's I, it's. I thought I was going to be the one honestly hating on Liquid because I'm I'm a fan of these guys and anyone that has followed me knows this. I'm good friends with the, with the, most of their players, uh, and, and them coming from 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 Han in the first place. And obviously, this was a big move for them from Alliance to now Liquid, two very big organizations. Liquid, arguably even bigger, but. It, we're at a point now. The growing pain's got to be done. It really does. You you, you yeah. have to be these 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 big boys, and you got to be able to compete. And this goes back to my point that this being an event in ESL that isn't not a DPC event. The competition's solid, but there are a lot of teams missing that you're going to ultimately be seeing at the major. Certainly, it's a mix of some major, mostly minor, even not minor teams. Man, getting eliminated in a group stage, a six-team group stage, is brutal for a team like Team Liquid. And again, I don't want to oversell it, but it's interesting your analysis on that. I, I could certainly see that because, again, I know Boxy to be a very aggressive in-your-face player. He's great at making plays, and on this patch, that doesn't seem to be the meta right now. So maybe that is just something they're going to have to accept and try to adapt on the fly going into the major. But they certainly do scare me going into such an event, especially a team that... The biggest problem for me with them in the past has been they just don't know how to close out games either. Their laning phase always feels like it's solid uh, for the most part, but then it just comes to the closing out the actual games. They fall through. They they can't beat the, the better teams in the end, and they come up short. So, again, not to overanalyze Liquid here from this one event, but uh, both you and I, and again, vouch for myself especially, definitely fans of this squad, and uh, it was very disappointing to see them uh, at the bottom. And the other team that I was going to bring up, you know, making the point of like which one was maybe the uh, bigger surprise or the, the bigger disappointment was them in Fighting Pandas. The fact that Fighting Pandas also didn't qualify uh, out of groups. But I, I, I think it's fair to say that both of our answer was going to be liquid at that point, considering who they are in their past and what we expect out of them. Now, Fighting Pandas not getting out of the group also a little bit surprising. But uh, in the end, I don't know if I'm sitting here worried about a team like Fighting Pandas. Uh, moving forward necessarily yeah they just i'll be honest liquids drafts looked bad but fighting pandas just looked bad okay. so like I, I don't even want to like go much further than that like they're it was just their play like everything looked chaotic things i kind of worried about at the start of the season i didn't really know why they weren't servicing i kind of saw them service at this event so i'm kind of back on the train that i was on at the start of this podcast the first episode where we talked about you know what we thought the teams this season were going to do uh this event looked more like the fighting pandas that i expected uh when i initially thought about the team and then they kind of proved me wrong in the na qualifiers so now it's like a best of three right they proved me wrong now i'm back <laughs> on track and now they've got the major to settle you know which which way i'm gonna they go they gotta uh, win the major to prove yeah. prove you wrong in the you know <laughs> all they gotta do exactly. is win the major now um yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what they do and again the fact that they're in the major pretty cool pretty good for them but That'll be a little bit of break before then. Uh, one one bonus question being brought up in chat might as well. Uh, Fil Filipino, well, Filipino Spaghetti, <laughs> bringing it up. Uh, clever name there. Uh, do you guys consider TNC a Tier 1 team um, after an event like this? Or in general, are they a Tier 1 team right now? It's, again, with the roster changes, I think that slows it down a little bit. But overall, it, it's it's – this whole tier system is kind of like it's all imaginative anyways in a lot of ways so it's for the sake of discussion i i would i would consider them a tier one team it seems like there's certainly a squad that can't compete against the best and they have players on that especially in kp that have the experience necessary to compete so i guess the simple answer for me would be yes but how do you feel yeah they looked cohesive and they got tier one players so i put them on tier one for sure like i, I think that maybe they might be a step down from these other teams but at the same time I don't think it's a large step, and I would safely say I, th I think they're tier one. All right, so there you go. Uh, there's a couple other notes from the event, not to go too deep into it, but again, the Quincy Crew situation, as we mentioned earlier, CCNC actually got sick of some sorts and wasn't able to play. Sumail, who ended up traveling with the team anyways, was able to play in place uh, for him. They did get knocked out in the group stages, though, so it didn't affect uh, moving forward in the end. But uh, ESL, overall, a solid event, fun to watch, especially with BSJ there, of course. I made a point to tune in. <laughs> Well, only to watch your analysis, the great analysis that is. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. 
And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. So whether you're shopping for that perfect holiday gift or you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. All right. Um, the next event coming up, though, the the big one, the one that uh, really matters for the DPC season. We got Summit just around the corner. It is officially beginning. In fact, uh, when is it beginning? November 7th. So that is, uh, what is it, the 4th? So, yeah, on Thursday. Officially begins Thursday. Wow. Of this week. Yeah, it is coming up quickly. It finally made it to the first uh, official season, official event of the season. And uh, again, this is going to be unique in the sense we've had many summits before, but with so much more on the line now this time around, uh, and even having a live audience and everything, it'll be a. Uh, extra entertaining but uh, summit event you got eight teams going in ultimately the team that wins it of course qualifies as the last team to the major there is that three hundred thousand dollar prize pool as well to play for and some dpc points well let's be honest in the minor you're not really getting uh, a significant chunk necessarily but one note going into the event we'll start with is virtus pro a team that qualified for the event and well, again it was surprising to see them not qualify for the major in the first place but then it's like okay well at least they qualify for the minor they announced that they actually are pulling out of the tournament and uh, a little bit shocking because again this is the dpc official event this isn't you know some third-party tournament it's an official event points on the line and everything uh they announced that uh they were pulling out of the event. Uh, there was a little bit of drama on it as well that I wanted to touch on too. And uh, Roman, who is actually, I believe, the owner of VP or a very high up in the, in the general manager, excuse me, general manager of VP, uh, made a point at, at Beyond the Summit in terms of them announcing a little earlier than they would have liked and making a point that. Uh, the reason they withdraw was due to some visa issues. Um, and they had a little bit of banter back and forth, but ultimately came down to BTS somewhat apologizing. And then eventually VP released an official uh, statement that suggested it was a mix of visa issues, funny enough, but as well as just uh, wear and tear on the team and still trying to figure things out essentially uh, going forward. So they did make a point that they were going to play an ESL, which they did, which, Again, they they got knocked out in the I want to say in the second round of the playoffs, so they got a little bit further there. Uh, but it comes back to a team pulling out of an official DPC event. I again, if it's purely visa situation, I completely understand. But this didn't feel like it was that. And even with the whole explanation, it felt like it was more of a we just don't feel we're ready rather than an actual visa situation. So. I, I don't, and if that's the case, it's it feels a little bleh to me. <laughs> it's almost the best way to put it that I can put it, I guess. But you know, they're obviously they they, they can do that, and uh, they are not participating. But all right, there you go. That's what happened. What do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, I don't have too much to add. That's just a very strange situation. It's always unfortunate. You like that. <laughs> Like the, you know, yeah. the whole like looking at it from the outside in is just you never know. Like there could be so much. It could be you know the players being like, well, we don't feel ready, and we just played ESL. Let's take a break, like all the other teams did. You know, we, it could be visas. The, there's so much theory crafting with this kind of thing, and I choose to just say, you know, they they aren't there, and just to handle the tournament accordingly. They already signed save, right? I believe they did that. They officially signed him to the team, so they seemed pretty happy overall with their results at ESL. Uh, so, 
maybe they didn't have the perfect results, but I saw over the course of that event that the team was coming together pretty well. Okay. Uh, like I thought towards the end of the event, they looked way better than they did at the start. I don't think they looked where they need to be yet, but they did look better. Like at the start, they looked pretty shaky. They looked incohesive. Uh, and towards the end, it looked like they're kind of finding their stride, their identity. Uh, and they were clearly willing to pick drafts that were outside of their players' comfort zones in order to push them in order like kind of treating it like, you know, scrims with money. And I think that they have the right approach going forward. I just don't have much, too much to say about why they're on the minor. Like that's just weird to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to seeing this team going forward. They definitely look like they have what it takes to improve or like they, they know what it takes to improve. They're doing things properly. Uh, it just matters how long it takes. And if that's too long before they change their roster. Yeah, I guess ultimately for me, it's it's a case of it just feels a little bit too much of we're used to qualifying for the major. We didn't. We don't want to bother with the minor. There's so few DPC points anyway. So we're just going to, you know, make up an excuse, go to ESL and and not worry about it. And that that's, I guess, what kind of bothers me the most. And again, it, we don't know 100% if that's even the case. This is speculation. But being buddies with BTS as well and knowing how, how big of an opportunity this is for them to have a big name like Brutus Pro pull out of your tournament after qualifying is certainly a hit for them too. So that's, I guess, the other side that uh, kind of, uh, you know, hits me the wrong way, but it, it's happening. VP no longer participating in their place. Uh, they're replaced by, oh, I'm calling them one, seven, eight, just to make it easy. A lot of random letters in before that, but it's the roster of Palantimos, Pikachu, Kazil, Big Num, and Happy Durura. Durara. It's a newer player. I never heard of him before, actually. But, uh, of course, representing the CIS region, uh, they were actually the third-place team in the qualifiers. Hellraisers, of course, also qualifying as the second-place team will be representing CIS as well. So that's how they ultimately went with it. Just 178 replacing. Uh, just to be clear, also, the full lineup, you got Ninjas in Pajamas and Adfinum representing Europe. You have Invictus Gaming out of China, GeekFam out of Southeast Asia, Quincy Crew from North America, of course, and then Pain Gaming out of South America. So those are the eight teams competing for that prize pool. And again, ultimately, the first place team going to the major on top of that, so pretty big deal. I wanted to start uh, with this event first. Uh, the format uh, being official, the idea that they're doing a double elimination um, it's actually going to be a GSL format, which is the mini bracket or however you want to look at it. It's the four-man teams in each. Two teams only coming out, so you have to take care of business in your group or you're not even advancing on to the next stage of the event. I've never been a fan of this format in, in a significant tournament such as a minor, and I definitely consider it significant, but I'm sure schedule constraints, etc., is part of it. Not a fan, but that is going to be uh, what the case is. Two teams getting eliminated, so half the team's getting eliminated after the groups, and then you have a double elimination playoff stage uh, is what we're looking at. So are you as uh, annoyed by the, by the format? You don't really care as much. I'm not a huge fan, but I also think, you, you know, you, you're given two chances here. Like, yeah, you, you know, you have a best of three. If you lose it, you get another chance. If you lose that, you're out. You know, you have to win two out of three. You have to win two out of three best of threes to make sure. it to the – playoffs and i think that overall this format may not be the most consistent but if you are a good enough team you're gonna win it so like if you're clearly better than the teams in your group stage like what i think this format does is maybe it allows for one fluke or like kind of team that wouldn't be imagined to go through the group stage to make it but i think the best teams of the tournament are going to show themselves in this type of format anyways and they will uh, be able to triumph despite the fact that it's not as much leeway uh, for mistakes. All right. Yeah. Again, I couldn't confirm. I, I don't know if this is because obviously with uh, Valve getting a little more, more involved with the whole DPC, I don't know if this is an official format for the miners that we should expect or actually, okay. I guess I just answered my, uh, my own question. So it is, it is, it is the official format. It looks like. That they chose like that, to that's with. what they're required to do yeah. by Valve. It is oh. what they're required to do. And see, even that, I, I guess, yeah, so couldn't touch them back on that. I, Man, really? They, that's what they that's what they went with? I, I'm actually surprised. I thought this was going to be more of, like, them scheduling issue. But I guess Valve's fine with the idea that, uh, that this is a valid format, despite it being pretty significant. I mean, you're right. You ultimately have to win two best of threes to not get knocked out. But... I, I I just hate when there's when it is a very significant tournament that you know you don't even literally get to have a chance of seeing half the teams. 
because <laughs> yeah. that's the case. I here. think that's kind of how people view the minor, though, right? Tier two Dota's never had too much respect, I'd say, like not only from maybe Valve, but also from the viewers. I, I don't think that if I'm like hosting, um, if I'm hosting the summit here, and I broadcast that I'm having uh, one seven eight versus Pain Gaming. Who's gonna watch that? Like, in terms of no offense to these teams, right? Like, no, I'm fair. just trying to be brutally honest, right? Like, I was watching ESL, for instance, and when you had Alliance versus VP, there's like thirty five thousand, forty thousand people watching. When you have Fighting Pandas versus, you know, uh, I'm trying, like <laughs> God, it's amazing. Viking, yeah, <laughs> Fighting Pandas versus Viking, you're getting like twelve thousand. Yeah. So. I think from a standpoint of tournament organizers, they don't really mind this. Like, let's – I think there's some – there's enough notable teams in the minor that's not some joke of a tournament, right? It's obviously going – like, the winner goes to the major. But I would say that this is the proving grounds for these bottom four teams. Like, there's really no – in Dota, at least, this has always been the attitude. Do I say it's the right attitude? <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but it always has been. Where it's like, nobody cares about you, right? Like, make me prove – like prove to me that I should care about you. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, if I've never heard of one, seven, eight, I'm straight up never watching them in the group stage, but what if they just, well, obviously if I'm man at the event, I'll watch it. But if they make it to the playoffs, I'm like, Oh, suddenly, you know, you've caught my attention. I'm going to watch you and see sure. like, you know, maybe why you got to the playoffs. So it's not something I think everyone wants to hear. Uh, I've never really spoken my opinion on this, but, uh, <laughs> Just to be blunt, if you're like a tier three team in this minor, nobody gives a shit that you're in the tournament. Like, that's just how it is. That's the sad reality. But I, the one thing I like about this kind of format, the one thing I will like about it is that it doesn't take much for a team like that to immediately gain traction, right? Yeah. Like we saw with Demon Slayers at Dream League. Nobody's even heard of these guys. Like, this is a new squad. Suddenly they're in, like, the final three finals, and everyone's like, wow, that's so hype. It's like that's something that's quite quickly and quite possibly done by these lesser-known teams in a format like this. And it kind of gives that NCAA basketball tournament vibe where, you know, some six, like some 10 seed can squeak into the final four, hmm. and suddenly they're on everyone's radar. And in this case, it's even cooler because if they somehow manage to pull it out, where they win the whole thing, then they're finally at the major. You know, there's a lot they can roll with this. So I think the minor, the attitude that most viewers have as well as teams should have is this doesn't mean anything unless we win it. Like, this is what this means um, unless we win it. So let's have, like, people are going to view it accordingly and people are really only watching you in order to see what you do moving forward going into the major so not trying to be too harsh no know, it's but good i think i think it's a sad reality that a lot of viewers don't want to like admit they like they say support the tier two dota scene <laughs> but they're not gonna watch like they're just not gonna watch these games so yeah. like as much as they would the others right it, it's drastic it's like 300 percent, 400 percent viewership uh for the big teams over the tier twos yeah so. And we're, we're all guilty of it. I mean, the, it's it's a that's a whole nother topic, whole another debate. You know, the idea yeah. of these tier three scenes. And I mean, you look at you look at traditional sports. All these all these lesser leagues like G League for NBA or just the minors for baseball and everything. I mean, the attendance and the the eyes on that are of course going to be less overall there's other things done in place to then draw the attention ideally but it is more about fostering a player base for the eventual for those opportunities to then come to the big stage and really prove yourself so it's i actually really like the uh the uh comparison you made to the bracket for ncaa that's a, that, that's a fair point the idea it's it's just that much more epic to be that dark horse and you could argue that this format is actually better for an underdog team because there is only it so is, few yeah. chances that if they just happen to be the better team in that one best of three then all of a sudden they're possibly going to the playoffs and we'll see what kind of run they can make we've seen them that's many when times. tier two dota gets interesting when one seven eight eliminates nip that's when it gets interesting right like wait what you know that's that's when things that that's what gets these games viewers like people yeah. want the drama they're like oh this is the team that knocked out ppd you know in universe that that's the fun stuff so i think that despite everything this is probably the most exciting format for a minor 
Okay. I think at the major, it wouldn't fly, obviously. Like, that's just not going to happen. But uh, at the minor, I think it's exciting. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so, again, starts on Thursday. Unfortunately, we don't have the groups yet. I was hoping maybe there would be a chance of that, but uh, no groups to discuss oh, further there. So I'm sure that will come out in the next day or so. By the time you hear this podcast, very likely could be out, but as we're recording it, uh, not out as of now. So it's going to be four teams in each, though, two from each group advance on into then that double elimination format. Um, but I figured uh, the fun way to get a little more talking points out of this event would make it more of a, this quote-unquote game show segment. And uh, we're going we're gonna to just do a simple fill-in-the-blank, make, make it easy here. Uh, we'll start with the first one. The team that will surprise people the most at this event is blank. Who do you feel is uh, going to surprise people the most? Um, I'll argue for Geek Fam, based on what I've seen from the other two SCA teams that went to the major. Like, uh, I thought they were going to go to the major originally. I think they're going to crush this tournament. That's kind of my initial view. Uh, I think they're just better than everyone else as of now, and uh, that has to be proven to me. So I uh, I think most people don't think that, though. So that's why I think that the team that will surprise the people the most is Geek Fam. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Ad Finum. I'm going to go with Ad Finum. I think the the, wow. the the Greek hype is back and it's real. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're winning at all, but I certainly think that they are going to be reminiscent back in their, their days of uh, back to the, even the Boston major that took place, you know, going all the way to the finals and uh, having quite a run. I, I just maybe that's the half Greek in me that that's rooting for them and the hopeful side. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I think Ad Finum certainly has a chance to uh, surprise people again. We, we all know this team from the past, but it's been a long time. Uh, they've kind of gone their own directions, gone their own ways for a while, but they came back together for the most part. And I'm excited to see not only this event, but how they do throughout the season. So definitely want to look out for as far as uh, the surprise of the event. Um, all right. So the next one, the team I'm most excited to watch perform. Uh, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I guess it can go with that as well. But I, I'm, I'm going to personally go with Quincy Crew. Um, it's because it is so unknown. It really is with the squad right now, especially coming off that ESL performance. Now, again, with the whole CCNC situation and being sick, you know, hopefully he is good to go now, of course. Uh, but, you know, really going to see what Saberlight is going to bring to the table as a true offlander. You are back to his position one. We know this team has all the potential in the world to even win this minor, but will they have it come together? That's that's what I'm most intrigued by and, and a bias sure as well. But uh, they're definitely a team to watch for that reason. Yeah, I'm most excited. I'll have to go the other side to NIP. I think they looked terrible in ESL. I think they looked terrible in the qualifiers. Like this for me, I'm excited to watch them because I'm ready for them to dud and change roster <laughs> or I'm ready for them to somehow have pulled it all together, right? Because I think the <laughs> roster itself is good enough, but the results have been atrocious so i yep. that is who i'm looking the most excited to watch because i you know I, i'm a big fan of gunner i'm a big fan of universe big fan of ppd obviously i don't know too much about the other two other than what i've seen so far i've been rather unimpressed with skeeter and i i want to see i want to see it all come together man i i think their drafting at esl was scared like i think they were drafting so scared and I want him to, I want to like the, a team like uh, VP. I thought, despite the fact that they had new players, looked like they were drafting confidently, even if it didn't work. I thought, I, I'm telling you right now, I watched Ninjas and Pajamas drafts at, uh, at ESL, mm -hmm. and I watched the game and I said, I'd put my mortgage on them winning or them losing this game. Like their draft <laughs> has no chance to win this game. Like I'm telling you, like I watched it and I was like, what are they doing? You know, I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, Gunner, man, I talked to him after, like, what's the deal, man? And I'm not going to tell any more than the fact that he's like, we figured it out. He told me a couple things about what was going wrong, like nothing, you know, too insider. But he's like, we figured it out. And I'm like, okay, man. So I'm, I want that statement to be followed up. And I look forward to seeing what they've done to address this. So, all right. Uh, that's where I'm going for. All right. Well, a player to look out for at this event is blank. So you kind of give some insight there on maybe a one, but is there, is there a player that really for you that you're going to be excited to see how they perform? Uh, I quite frankly, <laughs> this may be a weird answer, but it's going to be Ryoya for me <laughs> because okay. 
uh, I, him and I have had our random tussles back and forth in the NA scene. It's kind of like a, neither of us hates the other, but he doesn't really like me. I don't really like him. I've been like, he doesn't think I'm any good. I've always questioned whether or not he's like a legit, uh, competitive player. Cause he's kind of been in that tier two scene for a while. Um, I think he's got a real shot with this team being legit. And I basically want to go into this tournament and watch like some consistent performances from him and have him just like take over these games. Cause I think that their team is on their own tier compared to most of these teams. And I think that he as a player has the potential to do that. And I kind of, it's like, I'm kind of rooting for him, but I'm also kind of rooting against him. He's like a very polarized, like whether or not he's going to be the carry of the game or kind of just feed away a lead. And I really want to see that he can do like that. This new team allows him to be that carry that he can consistently be. So that's what I'm looking for. All right. Um, mine is, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, specifically Saberlight going back to Quincy oh, crew okay. and his offlane play for the team. And again, the idea that, you're replacing a legend in Sumail. Uh, now, you are a true offlane player, and that's the biggest difference, and that's why they, they brought him in uh, to perform uh, in such a role. So I'm intrigued to see how he does, of course, again, coming off of that ESL event as well. But uh, we'll see how he's able to perform at the Summit now uh, with the squad. Again, back to back to full five, good to go, and in, in their homeland of sorts, I guess you could say as well, with uh, being uh, representing NA, of course. Uh, and Quincy Cruz. So for me, it would have to be Saberlight uh, amongst a couple others that come to mind. But, you know, I was going to go a direction. Uh, <laughs> this might be a little far-fetched, but also Gunner uh, back to back to NIP. And I say that because the more I'm thinking about it, so now with Samael still being out there, isn't NIP a team we got to start thinking about as a possibility too? As far as I don't know if NIP and PPD get along. I really don't. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, I'd be curious to know as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, it's, you know, it's things can change over time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's fair. They have had their differences in the past, certainly, after their success with EG, of course. So, all right, moving on to the final question, though. That's a pretty straightforward one. The team that will win the Summit Minor and go to the Major is blank. What do we think that team is going to be? You know, I said geek fan, but I, I, they're, they're going to get second. They're going to lose in the finals because all my answers about Ryo are going to come true, and IG's going to take it, man. I got IG winning this tournament. They're, I think the Chinese qualifiers look by far the hardest. And IG, I'd say going in, based off of who won the qual, like based on the qualifier strength of teams, they would be the strongest. Hmm. Okay, so the IG squad there. Um, yeah, it definitely was. I was even looking back at their China qualifier. It certainly was a run. They had to go five games against CDEC in the end to – advance on china is always a very difficult region um it's it's they do seem hit or miss at times though especially at these minors uh i'm actually gonna go back to geek fam i i really like this roster and their potential we hyped them up as a possibility of even going to the major in the first place uh that didn't happen of course but they did do good enough to qualify for the minor and it looked pretty dominant throughout that and looking back there yeah three one in the grand finals a couple of two nothings before that uh and this is a squad that certainly speaks for of potential especially with a team like NIP coming off quite the laps at ESL. Quincy Crew, the same story there. We got recent uh, evidence of their play and maybe still trying to find their, their groove. So I think Geek Fam is going to be a little quicker on that, and uh, I'm excited to see them take this minor and uh, go to the major. So we'll see if that comes through. But, uh, of course, again, at the minor, really a lot can happen. And, you know, you look at this list of teams, it's, it, it is an interesting list as far as how it's come together. Um, and that always is the case, I guess, with a new season in general, especially with all the roster changes and how things look. But uh, it, it'll certainly be a fun event. And again, that kicks off on Thursday. So by the time next week's show rolls around, we'll be able to go over, uh, you know, the results there. So we'll see how right or wrong we were when it came to uh, the said talking points. Anything else on the event that you want to touch on before we move on? I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I just, uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching ESL, so I'm going to be probably doing some similar stuff with, like from home, where I'm going to be watching that the tournament, uh, the summit in that light, where I'm kind of keeping track of every team's progress over the course of it, uh, and I look forward to seeing who ends up coming on top because I really think this is a free for all going into it. Yeah. And again, that, that first place is, is absolutely what matters. The fact that then you get to go to China, go to the major and compete there for that million dollar prize pool and everything else, especially the DPC points. 
pretty big deal. So going to be fun. Starts on Thursday, and I'm already excited to talk about uh, the recap on the on the following show. But uh, that, that's getting down to the end, though. Uh, we were able to kind of go over and catch up a little bit as far as uh, a couple of missed shows over these last couple of weeks, but obviously understandable with BSJ being busy. One, one other, you know, I might as well uh, bring it up, though, before we do officially wrap up is the uh, – the, the announcement from ESL and Dota buff was a very interesting one. This whole reach initiative, uh, however you want to suggest it, it's essentially a tier two slash tier three, an amateur scene matchmaking initiative. They're, they're hosting prize pool where they get players to queue at the same time on any given night. And then at the end of the week or whatever, they then take the, the, the rankings via win loss record and they have, they give out the prize pool accordingly. So, you know, there's always, there's complaints about the matchmaking and value done their part to try to help it out but uh, third parties getting involved to do their part to help it out is an interesting idea it's kind of an in-house uh, you know being a player yourself that i don't know if you've actually had the chance to participate in it or not but what, what was your take on this announcement and uh how do you see it working i mean i think in-house leagues in the past have just been not like not uh hard enough like what i mean by hard enough is players there's players in the in-house that nobody wants to play with yeah. why are these players allowed in the in-house they naturally implode the in-house like if you play 20 percent of your games with a player that you just absolutely dread and nobody wants on his team eventually you're going to lose players and then that player is going to be on your team 30 percent of the time and then 40 then you just don't want to play anymore um i think that this is a nice step i think the major issue in Dota right now is one of the major issues that is, is that the anyone who's not on a tier one, tier two team really has no reason or no validity to saying, I want to go Dota full time. Uh, it pretty much says nobody who's already hasn't already made it can really make it unless they just put everything on the line or they're, you know, 19 years old living with their parents and they don't have any living expenses. Uh, this actually gives, you know, playing with teams, I've had players that they just don't, they're not able to commit to Dota. They're not willing to commit to Dota because they're, they have to have a full-time job on top of Dota. Uh, and I would like to think that something like this, it's enough money to live off of if you're consistently placing decently. So I, I think when I say live off of, like, it's a start, right? You can start <laughs> and you can finally start committing to Dota with this kind of, boost yeah. to your income so i think this is really important uh it sounds like they're pretty serious about like this being heavily regulated uh where if anybody's doing questionable things or being <laughs> just a terrible thing for the league that they just get booted and i think that that's really important like yeah. no there could be no leeway on this like you cannot play favorites that's kind of what was done in the other ones you can't play favorites you can't just say, hey, this guy's really good. Like, this is Arteezy. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. Like, I'm not saying Arteezy's, like, you know, badly behaved or whatever. I'm just saying that no special treatment, no mercy. Like, make this look professional. Because as of right now, like, I can tell you, even with my qualifiers for WESG, like, trying to throw together a team of reliable players that are going to show up to the qualifiers, it's tough, man. Like, <laughs> you people ditch last minute. I've talked to random other people. Like, People just ditch. Like people are unreliable. They they just it's not treated professionally, and there's like no reason for it to be. Like I'm not saying it's like these players' fault necessarily. It's like yeah. give some incentive to treat Dota like it's an actual job, uh, because that's what other sports do. You know, you have minors, baseball, uh, stuff like that. Like you just yeah. Uh, I think it's something that we need. Yeah, again, that, that's a discussion for another time as a whole, but it's certainly keeping the amateur scene happy and a chance for them to develop in a, in a reasonable manner while they can still, you know, make a somewhat of a living is a, is understandable to ask for uh, to keep the ecosystem going for a healthy Dota 2 competitive scene as we move along. So uh, it is a cool initiative. Uh, I will say I, I casted the first night of it just out of curiosity. I joined like six or seven games actually throughout the night, and the, most of them seemed, seemed pretty solid. There were a couple. You did have your trash talking <laughs> popping out I'm like all right that's gonna happen i guess trash talking can happen that's okay yeah 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 no it's uh, i didn't see anything over intentional like feeding by any means but uh there certainly were some words being thrown around so but uh, as you're as you said i mean trash talking to an extent is certainly uh certainly okay there um but yeah it'll be fun to see how that plays out and again just the beginning of hopefully uh much more of it and much more development 
Okay, I think that's good, though. I think we've, uh, we once again have covered uh, what we've liked for what's officially our fifth episode. So, again, it's uh, apologize for missing a couple of weeks right there, but we're not going anywhere. We're definitely here. This is the beginning of the season and excited to uh, keep it going throughout and uh, having some fun with it here for the Wombo Combo podcast. So, as always, before we do, BSJ, anything else before we wrap up? Nah, man. See you next week. Sounds good. We're going to be recapping Summit. Certainly a fun event ahead of us there. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Once again, I was Breaky CPK. As always, joined by BSJ, the Wombo Combo Podcast officially coming to a conclusion here. Hopefully you enjoyed. Tune in all over the place as far as the uh, the spectrum goes for the podcast from Spotify to iTunes and everything. And to look forward to seeing you guys next week, ideally every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern is when we record it live on our Twitch channel. Have a good night, guys. We'll see you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.